Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast, episode 15. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Kick-Ass 2, directed by Jeff Wadlow and starring Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Chloe Grace Moretz. It was released in 2013 and is it in cinemas now? It is out in the US and Canada on the 14th of August. So it's out in the US and Canada and is out in Australia this weekend. Oh, okay. Because we went to a preview screening here. We did. But it wasn't a preview screening for the States, apparently. No. Um, okay. So, plot summary. It's been two years since Kick-Ass killed crime lord Frank D'Amico, and he longs to get back into costume again, so he recruits Hit-Girl to teach him some new moves just before she's caught and has to get out of the game. Meanwhile, Frank's son and Kick-Ass's old friend vows revenge and becomes the world's first supervillain, the Motherfracker. As you can probably tell, the name of Kick-Ass's uh, enemy his nemesis in this movie, is not something that we um, can really say on air. So yeah. We don't have a, an explicit rating on the iTunes store, so we're using alternative words. Um, but I'm sure that you can all figure out exactly what his name is actually supposed to be. Okay, so, Melissa. Yeah, so, hmm, I quite enjoyed the first Kick-Ass. I'd, really, I'd forgotten how violent it was and... It was a bit of a shock to the system coming back into this one. Um, although I think it had some things going for it. The biggest thing it had going for it, of course, was Hit Girl, um, Chloe Grace Moretz. And I think they did something really good and made the plot basically focus around her and her experience in high school, which, again, is classic horror movie slash superhero movie slash loner against the system kind of material. So I think they did a good job there. Uh but mm, there are some problems with this movie. Yeah, um, that storyline. Okay, so the first thing that, that kind of gets me, especially when I was trying to review this movie, was there's so much going on in this movie. Um, you've got so many different characters and so many different costumes, but also all the characters are going through about three or four things. Mm -hmm. um, um, Dave, who is kick-ass, is having problems with his dad and he's bored at school and then he breaks up with his girlfriend and then there's this other girl that he's interested in and then like he but also he joins the superhero he's group but then also like his ex-nemesis is coming back and also he's alienating his friend and there's just a whole lot mm. of stuff just going on in his and then it's a split narrative anyway yeah and so you've also got mindy who's hit girl who's going through um she's always been a superhero the whole time she's just been skipping school and training um and then her Guardian, who was played by Morris Chestnut, and his name is Marcus. Yes, finds I out. So. Um, and basically makes her stop. And then she goes through the high school experience, um, mm -hmm. which is by far the most interesting storyline to I me agree. in the whole movie. She is terrific. And I mean, Chloe Moretz is one of my favorite actresses. I don't care if she's 16, she is one of my favorite actresses currently working. Yeah. Um, and she does so much with this, you know, like she gives us all these different sort of character moments and beats in this very complicated girl who's like she's always had violence in her life from when she was a little kid and now she's trying to deal with like normal teenage girl stuff and she has this little sexual awakening moment that I really really liked she's watching a little um a music video by a sort of One Direction type yeah. boy band which are actually a real boy band apparently I, I, I assumed they were because all, all the all the other things they refer to are real like Twitter and Instagram. And I stuff. just assumed they couldn't get like a real one to. Oh, they do couldn't a, get One Direction, song. <laughs> and so, but apparently Union J are a real boy band. Um, uh, yeah, it sounded real. I don't know. <laughs> we're not really up with what the kids are listening to, but I see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, mm -hmm. but it's it's her whole storyline is great. But then, um, 
one of the biggest problems I had with this movie is the tone. They didn't know what they were going for. Yeah, I think I, I felt the same way. They were they felt quite confused, like they were a bit confused. There seemed to be some interesting lines of thought that they were going down. This whole idea of what's the real world and what's not the real world that that was kind of an interesting thing to explore. But then they went off and got distracted by other things and they didn't quite get there. And then there was also the whole, you know, high school is a metaphor for, you know, high school and teenage years is a metaphor for some kind of horror and violence and all that kind of stuff, which is really interesting. And it's, of course, the theme of one of our favourite shows, Buffy. And that that the Mean Girls subplot the, is my favourite part of the whole movie, I think. Yeah, it was it a was, um, mm. practice run for Chloe Moretz for Carrie. But then there was also your, your um, villain, Mr Motherfracker, he's – got his own subplot going on and there's a whole exploration there about growing up in a crime family and you know what you wanting to be famous and all that kind of stuff that goes on there as well and then you've got or, or in just in the middle there um Jim Carrey's character Captain Stars and Stripes who comes in to mentor this group of superheroes and he's got a whole another storyline going on there as well he's apparently used to be a mafia guy and he's now um He's become born again Christian. And he won't yeah, let them swear. That and- one doesn't really bother me as much because that's more. That's all backstory. That's just more mm. him. Like that's yeah. just who he is as a character. He his whole storyline was just being the mentor and being yeah. He this, was Obi Wan and um, Jim Carrey's. Um, I thought Jim Carrey was really good. Like yeah. really pared back, but still really intense, mm-hmm. which was great. Um, and con- sort of focusing on one kind of character. Mm. It was good. He did a good job in it. Oh yeah, um, he in did. spite of the fact that since then he's tried to uh, he 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 wouldn't be in any of the publicity for mm. the movie. Yeah, because... that's because he was he was disturbed by the violence level of violence in it. Yeah, apparently it's after um and there was a shooting at an elementary school. Yeah, the Sandy Hook shooting. Yeah. He, but mm. I. I just sort of went, are you crazy? Did you read the script? Did you see the first movie? Did, Did you, you read the comic book? I know. You're, you're just sort of like, you were in this. How do you not know? And also he's talking about the gun violence, but then he has an unloaded gun. It's kind of a plot yeah. point. Well, to, to be honest, the guns aren't the the guns aren't the worst of the violence anyway. No, it's mostly knives and – There's knives and – But that's and... the thing. When you were saying it's a, it, um, you didn't remember how violent it was, the first one seemed more visceral. Mm-hmm. And yet less just like throwaway violence, which seems odd, but it, it did. I think Matthew Vaughan, who mm-hmm. was the director yeah, of the first one. Very different style. Had a different style, but also was much cleverer in how he dealt with it. Because the issues that they're facing here are sort of, the main sort of concept is, can superheroes exist in the real world? Yep. What would real world superheroes be like? And this mm-hmm. one kind of just... It, it doesn't want to actually address that issue. Yeah. It doesn't want to actually address the violence that's going on. So it's sort of like, yeah, it's great to try and do good, but then that kind of makes all the violence less important. It's sort of the staying true to yourself message and the like being a good person message don't quite mesh with mesh with the vengeance subplot as well. Yeah. Because the, that kind of keeps coming back. Er, or at various times, our main characters both – realize that vengeance isn't the way to go, that more violence is not a good idea, but then they get dragged back into it anyway. Yeah. And they keep keep on down that path. It's almost like they can't stop themselves. And I think, yeah, it it just got a bit muddled. It was trying to go down this path of, you know, real world versus the world you're living in your head versus what it's like to actually act out your revenge fantasies. And there's some interesting ethical issues. Like I I think it's kind of interesting. There's There's scenes in this one and in the first one where, Basically, they set out to bait 
muggers or whatever into mm. following them and attacking them so they can get into a fight. Yeah. And I feel like that is kind of problematic. And it's never really just, it's just like, oh, you know, he just wanted to go out and practice and beat up some bad guys. Like, well, but he went out deliberately and kind of enticed them into being bad guys. It was but just, it, well, mm. yeah, but at the same time, I mean, a guy walking down the street in a funny outfit is not really a good reason to beat them up. No. I mean, these guys were bad guys in the first place. They are probably doing this to other people who can't defend themselves yeah, just because yeah, they yeah. don't like how they look and that sort of thing. That's yeah. kind of what they're getting at I get there. that it is. But it, just, it didn't feel as... I didn't feel very, you know, attached to that. Or no, to I am very authentic. That, it, but that's the thing is that in the first one, it, it was sort of saying this isn't good. Mm. That it, it, it definitely went down this path of what Big Daddy, mm. um, who was Hit Girl's father, was doing to Hit Girl wasn't good. But he was really messed up, and he took that out on his daughter, yeah. and she became really messed up as a result of it. This one seems to be going, oh no, it was great that he was a hero, and that she wants to be a hero too, and it's great to. <laughs> do good and stuff, but the way they're doing it is really bad. I mean, it's really bad. And also, all of the plot points revolve around, I want to get revenge on you because you killed my dad. Yeah. All three of them. Like, all three of them. All, yeah, major... everyone's story is that somebody killed my dad. Um, apparently, that's not what happens in the um, in the, in the the comic book. Apparently, at least Chris D'Amico's character doesn't have a dead daddy. Perhaps it's him? I, no, that doesn't seem right. One of them the doesn't have thing a dead in the first father. one. At the end of the first one, yeah. Anyway, Frank D'Amico it's dying. basically the, um, there's le- there's a whole lot less parental death, and it's and a bit it's also I know arranged. that in the comic book, um, Big Daddy was actually not a cop; he was just an accountant, and he just got yep. bored with his life and decided to do it. Um, the the comic mm-hmm. book, which is written by notorious misogynist Mark Miller, which um, I didn't know until I read your review. I I didn't know anything about the guy. Person um, is, <laughs> is, is is he like Frank Miller's son? Uh, no, but he he recently talked about how like he uses rape all the time in every single one of his comic books oh, which, which are, we should get to in which a are famous for being like dark and edgy and more yes. violent and stuff so um he he tends to use rape um but he, and then he talks about how it's just like somebody getting de- de- decapitated that's the, been the big thing lately where he just said oh. oh it's like somebody being decapitated and doesn't understand what's wrong with that and neither do legions of his fans on the internet and you're like Oh, so he's he's a horrible person. Mm-hmm. But the comic books kind of focus on this idea that you can't have superheroes in the real world because it doesn't work. Yes, which um, is well, the, movie, the message I got from this movie, to be honest. It, it, that's not the message of the movie. The mo- message of the movie is like, yay, let's do good by beating people up. That's mm. the message of the movie. It's like, stay true to yourself because you're a real violent kid. Yeah, <laughs> um, great. It, it's kind of awful. Yeah, it, it. I think. Yeah, maybe that's my problem with it. I just, I don't get any kind of resolution or a sense of growth mm. either. There's no sense at the end that they've actually learned something from this experience and that they will move on with their lives in a more productive manner, while still, you know, retaining gets, something of something themselves. He gets a metal mask at the end. That's yeah. growth, right? No, it isn't. No, she um, rides her motorbike away from New York City because she doesn't want to get arrested. <laughs> like <laughs> New York City, it was like. Anyway, it just didn't look anything. Oh, I didn't know yes, it was New the York effects, until the, the end. The effects weren't very good, were they? No, I had no idea yeah. it was New York until she was like, "I'm getting out of New York," and I was like, oh, "You're that's in where New you York?" Were? Oh, I did because I, there was a there's a one of the panning shots is has like the Empire State Building or something in it. Oh, I, figured I don't remember I, that. I figured I from that, but yeah, the effects were a bit dodge, weren't they? 
Yeah, they weren't great. Yeah. The, okay, there was one gag that cracked me up though, which was the the shark in the yes, tank. Yes, me he too. Buys, um, Chris D'Amico, the mother fudger, buys a big shark tank and buys a shark, and the shark just sits at the bottom of the tank, and he's having this big party in his lair, and he gives a big mm-hmm. speech, and he's like, "We're going to feed them to the shark," and the shark's just sitting there in the tank doing nothing, yeah, and, and is, I couldn't stop laughing. And there's a slightly Tarantino-esque moment when all these henchmen like are debating whether the shark's alive or dead or not. Mm. And then the, of course, the big gag at the end is spoiler alert. What, he falls into the shark tank and the shark attacks him. Yeah, but so it's, the shark was alive. Yeah, yeah, he, I know. It's just, so that funny. was a good little gag. There are some, and that's the thing. There were some good little gags, and there were some that kind of fell flat. Yeah, the um. Well, now that this brings up a time to get back to this rape scene thing. Mm. Now, quite famously, this movie um, cuts out a rape scene that happened in the comic book. We get to what happens is it looks like. The mother flipper is going to rape a night bitch who's kick ass's love interest in this. And we get to this point, then all of a sudden he's, you know, he's got henchmen pinning her down. He's in her room. He's got her in a vulnerable position and he can't get it up. Mm. And so he like masturbates for a bit and then he's like, oh well. And let's just beat her let's up. Let's just instead. beat her up instead. And f- I think for once in my life, I'd probably argue. That perhaps it would have been a better thing to just keep it in as it was, no, or else ignore it, it entirely. That's, this is the thing: is like I I don't want to see it as it was because oh, it, as it was, it just happened off stage. No, I know, but it it it's still just it's it's fridging. fridging. Yes, um, it's it's using a rape against a female character to f- further a male character's storyline and has no impact. Like mm-hmm. it, it, her reaction to it wouldn't have even. Yeah, the only reason I would um, suggest that it could have having kept it in. Would have made the mother fudger a slightly more, a slightly stronger villain. I think I because he, I, I think he works better as not a strong well, villain to be yeah. honest. And I think it's also the way they dealt with it is actually kind of interesting because there's this because we have a teenage subplot. There's this undercurrent of how people cope with shame and embarrassment and what that makes people do. Mm. At, you know, because he's obviously very ashamed because he can't. He, not only is he, you know, such a terrible villain that he has to hire people to do his beating up, he can't even do his own raping. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think he works better as an ineffective villain. Um, I just think he's – but I, I just think they should have just not had that at all and just had him had them beat her up. If mm. that's what the end result is going to be anyway, don't make a joke out of rape and don't have rape. Just mm. have him beat her up because it's it's not – Either way is terrible. It's yeah, horrible. It's it's not, um, not a good. But while this is happening, there's okay. My two favorite characters in this movie by far is one of your... are, um Hit Girl and Mother Russia. Mother Russia was my favorite, too, my second favorite too. Mother Russia is this huge woman, very muscly woman who um, apparently ate her roommate in the Gulag. Who comes in and she's one of um, the Mother Flipper's henchmen, right? And she is brilliant and she just like she has that one scene outside that house where she is just going through cop cars come up with two cops in them and she just goes through all of them yeah just knocks them like kills, kills like them all. 10 men um and she does it in all in really interesting ways and she's just she's great and of course at the end because they're the two girls although i have read an interesting idea that um, it's because they're the two best fighters on the teams mm-hmm. um she and hit girl come up against each other which actually kind of makes sense in this movie as them being the greatest fighters because Mother Russia gets paid more than everybody else yeah. and Hit Girl is clearly more capable than any of the other um, superheroes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know. So they come up against mm. each other and it is easily the best fight. 
yep. between two people in the movie in the movie. Yeah. Easily. Um the one that I mean but that's the thing, is the one that between um Kikas and and the mother fridger is never going to have the same effect because he because Chris is such an like he's he's just he's ineffective a very as ineffective a, yeah. weak villain. Whereas um, he hit girl and and of course Obviously, Aaron Taylor Johnson buffed right up for this movie, so they yeah. had to show that off. And he, he and Hit Girl, they train, they're good, yeah. they work at their villainy. Whereas Chris is just kind of, he just wants to be a villain, so I'm going to use money to do that. Yeah. So um, you're obviously any fight between yeah, Kickass and the Mother Humper is not going to is not going to be anywhere near as effective as yeah, the um, Hit Girl and um and Mother Russia. I couldn't help but think when I saw that fight of um, Bellatrix Lestrange and Molly Weasley going up against each other at the end of Harry Potter. It's like it has to be those two that go up against each other, these two you know, archetypes of womanhood. I'm talking Harry Potter now, obviously. And I just I – just, I was like, yeah, because they're the two, you know, strongest women. Of course, they have to go up against one another. Yeah, but the, I thought the two it, only women. Um, like when I first thought of it as like just because they were mm. the women, but when when you think about it, they are the strongest fighters, yep. and it makes sense for them to go up against each other. I thought that was great, actually. Yeah, and it was um, a really good fight and done well. It was, and um, the yeah, it, the first one I loved. I really loved uh. the first Kick-Ass movie. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I loved Hit Girl, but I liked the idea that Hit Girl, it wasn't a good idea for Hit Girl to exist. Yeah. But it was still like, they, they walked this very fine line of it being cool, but not being acceptable. Yes. If you know what I mean. Like, so there's this great scene where she comes in and she just like mows through all of these henchmen to bad reputation. Um, yep. and like she runs up the wall and all that sort of stuff. And it just doesn't, there's no scene in this that's quite as effective. No. And yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of things where, and the villain's not quite as scary, although he is kind of as scary in that he, um, he will just do anything. He doesn't care, but he's ineffective. No, so yeah, he just has not... to get other people to do it for him. But the the vengeance that he plays out is pretty pretty nasty along the way. Mm. I don't but share the other thing your is love of he's, the first one, I don't think. He's he's the racism. But I like the calling out of the racism. There's certain things well, where yeah. um where like the the way that the first movie also worked is that it was kind of like a a meta movie mm-hmm. that was criticizing all of these comic books and comic book movies at the same time as being one. Yes. So um, and this one tried to kind of make comic booky in jokes. And some of them were kind of funny, but they didn't work on the same level. And I've forgotten my original point. You were talking about the calling out of racism. The calling out of racism, right. So, the, the, But that's the thing is like the, there were a couple of moments in this one where they sort of tried to do a similar thing, but I don't think they quite got to the same level as the first one where the first one really walked that line very carefully and did such a good job of it. Um, and this one didn't quite make it there in spite of the whole, you know, No, you guys are as excited about Union J as, as Stan Lee fans are about Stan Lee and the, the girls go, who's Stan Lee? Which yeah. Was... Well, they did try um, They did try a bit of a working with a sexism trope though because she goes on a date with a – she goes on a date with like the high school football quarterback and he drives her into the middle of the forest and it's all highly suspicious and she says something like, this is not where you have a party, this is where you dump a body. And that plays on that classic um, horror movie trope of, you know, the girl gets punished for having sex because her, you know, she, the boy drives her out to the woods and hides her body. And they do play with that because you you just, you know from the beginning that hit girl out in the woods is going to be perfectly fine and if anyone's going home in a body isn't. bag is. That's the thing. Yeah. Is that the scene then, then. And then plays just... out into ho- horrible 
bit of humiliation for her. Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, the other thing about this movie is um, it doesn't – all the women just hate each other. There's no, like – apart from maybe Night Bitch and that other woman who's in the – Who's in the gang. Gang. But I don't think you even – don't have a They relationship don't talk to each anything, other. No. Um, so it, it's all just basically – like all the women are just horrible to each other, which mm. is unpleasant, but – you know, seems fairly typical of Mark Miller. Well, it seems um, fairly typical of most superhero movies. And but how often thing. do we see the women talk to one another in anything? In the comic book, um, well, they talk to each other. This movie actually passes the Bechdel, Bechdel test. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because they talk to each other. The women talk to each other oh, quite frequently. Oh, the mean about, girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they talk to um, Mother Russia and Hit Girl have exchange lines that aren't about a man. It's just that they're awful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then – yeah, it it's just all kind of, and then the the actual re- revenge in the Mean Girls line. It would have been so great if it had stopped before she gets to the actual revenge part. But the actual revenge part is gross. Yeah, it is. It's really gross, but and horrible. Yeah, it's um poop and vomit, and it's kind of yeah, it, it is a bit gross. And it also it could have. It's one of those things where it, the violence could have actually well. Viol- <laughs> See, I'm putting the explosive diarrhea in the same category it as is. violence. It is violence. It could, and then she's it like, been... oh, I could have killed them, but I didn't. I just made them throw up. And you're like, yeah, but it's still violence. Well, it was an interesting one because it was – that's a really good weapon to use against teenage girls because these are, you know, attacking – like embarrassing them is, of course, an excellent weapon, using shame as a tool. But it's a, it's the, it could have happened off screen. She, we, she had the it, device. It, it couldn't could have. have. It really couldn't have. I don't think it would have worked if it had been off screen, especially not in this movie where it's all about like showing everything. I, I don't think you could have had it off screen. I just think it would have been better if she had been able to do it. But that's the that's the fundamental problem. It, all of this would have been better if they had been able to actually manage to solve their problems without falling into the trap of everything that's come before and everything that they and keep so saying the, they shouldn't be doing yeah, anymore. Yeah, and so, so this Revenge is and killing and the, violence. And, and there we come back to our central point of the whole movie, which is that the very thing that it's trying to critique are the very traps that it falls into. Yeah, and it's not um, – and, it yeah, it doesn't look as good as the first one and it's not as smart. It just isn't as mm. – like it, it. the first one was so great because it is shocking and it is really, really sort of yep. edgy and dark, but it walks this very fine line of keeping that entertaining while also at the same time – critiquing what it's doing yep. and what the other superhero movies are doing and how we think about them. And that's why it, it worked so well and it's so clever. And the first one managed to ki- cut out a lot of um, the nastier sort of sexual stuff that Mark Miller seems to like mm. going for while still keeping it this, kind of edgy and dark. The nasty sexual stuff is another – like the um, Jim Carrey's character has trained his dog to eat his enemy's penises and there's – I think – we we get uncomfortably close to genitals and whatnot at other points as well, and it's very violent. Yeah, it's sexually violent. Yeah, in but because it's in the middle of so much other violence, it, it almost doesn't stand out as shocking. Yeah, it's just like oh, there's a dog oh, on your funny. balls. It's 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 played as funny. It's played as funny. All and the sexual as, violence in this is yeah, played as funny. Yeah, and it's and and it sits in, in amongst much worse sort of real violence and so it doesn't it doesn't stand out as shocking in any way so it's just all this big spewing train of violence the whole way along and this is the thing i don't mind violence in movies i really don't i'm a tarantino I know, fan that's what i was thinking is i'm a tarantino fan i yeah. like the first one it's not about the fact that there's a lot of violence it's no. just that it's it's not there's no sort of reason for it it's not showing anything it's not and it's not any of 
our sort of revenge fantasies being played out, like, oh, they get beaten down so much and then there's a revenge scenario where mm. it's like a kind of a revenge fantasy thing. It's not like that. It's just sort of there and nasty and ongoing. Well, I have to say, again, this is why this plot appeals to me. It's the, the mean girl's revenge fantasy. It's kind of cool. But it do like a mean yeah, girl's revenge. It would have, it, it, I just think it would have played out better if she had managed to do it without. In a more smart way. Yeah. She, it was in, she did it in a really crude way. She yeah. Yeah, made them poop themselves. And then I think it's supposed to be in like a hit girl way, but I'm like, yeah, but she's She's smart. smarter than that and she could have done better. But she does, she does have a lot more moments before that that are really neat and interesting. Um, there's a dance dance team that she gets onto oh, yeah. by showing off her like kung fu moves, which is pretty cool. She has a cool purple bike, um, and, really cool purple bike. Oh, and so cool. yeah, but the the message here feels like it shouldn't be stay true to yourself. It feels like it should be there are better ways to get through life than by ruthlessly beating everybody up. And, like, there's this great bit at the end where she talks about you don't have to be badass to be a hero, you just have to be brave, mm. which seems like it would have been a better m message for the movie than what it actually went for. Um, which is that you do have to be badass. Yes, which is yeah. that you do have to kick people. Um, but, yeah, um, then and then, um, like, she does what she's sort of been afraid of for the whole movie and she ends up kissing kick-ass, like Dave. Mm. So, so she sort of does eventually overcome her own fears it it doesn't feel like a good payoff for what happened before because she did it right after going back into what she promised she would never do again. Mm -hmm. Even if yep. the scene on top of the van was cool. Yeah, no, I agree. And and Hit Girl is far and away the best part of the whole movie. Oh, yeah. And I think it knew. They knew from the first movie though it was sort of like she was the breakout. she was the best thing. Yeah. And they and they really do use her and they use her well, which is good. And you know, it's nice to see a woman in the lead, especially a teenage girl. Teenage girls are so lead. often marginalised. And oh, she's oh yeah, it's called Kick she's Ass. the second. T I know. I can't even. Thing. I for see. I'd forgotten. See, to, to me, this the first movie is about Kick Ass's story. The second movie is about Hit Girl's story. And I have a feeling that that's not really. That's just because they realised that Hit Girl was the best thing in it. Mm. I think they sort of just dumped Kick Ass. You know, they just sort <laughs> they of didn't went, know what to do with they him. Didn't, they, they just sort yeah. of went, he's not as interesting as she is, so we're just going to go with her. Yeah. And even in his scenes, he's constantly talking about her, where, she, where she's completely sort of doing, doing her, her own thing. thing. And he's like, I wish not Mindy only is were he, here. Yeah, well, not only is he always talking about her, he's also got like a team of backup to help mm. him and other other characters to make him more interesting and to kind of take, take some of the pressure off him. Yeah. And I don't feel like that's any fault of Aaron Taylor Johnson so much as just no. the scripts and the direction and the way that they decided to even like there was a weird moment where the team took out the yeah guy, like sex prostitution ring guy. yes and it was published in the papers and it's got Kickass's picture next to the the guy who went away and I was like why do they have Kickass's picture he didn't do anything but then I was like oh because it's his movie and he's the more famous one but it just didn't sort of make sense to me that he was the one who was being lauded for that? It was kind of well. Of, of course, like... that's a little bit of that. That's where the movie starts to get back into commentary of its own thing. In that these vigilantes are, you know, what they do. What they're doing is earning them notoriety rather than fame, and they are on the front page of the paper next to criminals. Yeah, it would have been more interesting as well with our fifteen minutes of fame culture. You know, mm. if they had explored that a bit more too well yeah and of course because um, the first one does that too lots of stuff about let's get on youtube and stuff which they well, do the, for like half a second in the this mother one. flumper seems entirely obsessed with with that but it's it's not explored that much no it's it's not it's and that would be that's another more interesting story that they're not 
exploring mm. there is um like surely there are more of these wannabe superheroes who are getting into it for this fame sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the villains are obviously all in it for the money because yeah. Chris is paying them all off for it. But apart from one, the best, the friend who was played by um, Evan Peters in the first one, and he's not in this one, the friend who, you know, goes off and betrays him and is a moron. Just like when I was watching yeah, that, I'm like, so stupid. the only reason that you're there is so that this part of the plot can happen and I'm so irritated with you because he goes off, um, the fr his friends aren't treating him nicely, so he goes off so he and goes tells off and the mother forgetter that his the person that they're holding is Dave's dad instead of Dave as kick-ass. Yeah. He tells him and he's like, you don't think anything bad will happen, do you? And I'm like, he's you already idiot. been going around killing people. What do he's you think he's going to do? Like, Mother Russia has already killed 10 cops. Why don't you think he's going to kill him? Mm. That's just bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, mm. and then there's another storyline where Dave's friend is in the group with him, oh, and yeah. there's no reason for that no. apart from to get this other guy to go Just off and get this side, and... get this sidekick some more time. And that's the thing: there's almost too many sidekicks and too much, too many subplots going on. It kind of that gets all messed up. And and here's I'm going to use the Top Gear tagline because I just think it suits this, but ambitious but rubbish. Mm. Like there's just so much going on. There's too much going on. They really needed to pare it back a bit. I think there's you know this friend over here, and then this group of and then this interesting possible sidekick in Donald Faison, and who is awesome because I love him. The one note that I made on my notepad at the cinema was like Donald Faison, yay! I think I also made a note that said Ian Glenn because Ian Glenn makes an awesome cameo too. Yes, that that was Ian awesome. Glenn's whole role also is to just tip the. Chris, Mother, over yeah. the edge. Over the edge. Which is actually quite a good scene, I thought, because yeah. it's finally actually dark. Mm -hmm. um, he finally understands what real villainy is, yes. and it's finally really dark. And then even, like, even big spoilers, da Dave's dad dying was kind of underplayed. Like yes. emotionally way underplayed. Um, they could have done but a lot it, more it. But it was because there was just too much going on yeah. for them to deal with every little thing that they had to do. They really needed to cut back characters and cut back scenes and cut back subplots and actually focus on what they were trying to do with this because there was all kinds of interesting avenues that they could have gone down that are just kind of brought up tantalizingly and then go off to the side. And then in the end, the message isn't very clear anyway. Yeah, and then what message there is is not a good one. Um, no. So basically what I wanted from this movie was it for it to be a hit girl movie where she went through the first part of her storyline and then like got her revenge in some much cleverer way, like the actual end of Mean Girls where right. she sort of doesn't get revenge but actually kind of brings everybody together, mm -hmm. you know, um, something like Character that. Character growth, you mean? Character growth, yes. yes. And then we saw that and then we saw her, like, I don't know, somehow being the most awesome person ever. And that would have been great. Yeah, I think that would have been great. I think we might uh, call it to a close there because I think we've pretty much said what we feel about this one and oddly enough we're in agreement again sorry listeners we don't like doing that but oh that's another thing i want to make a correction for oh, last for week correction yes we need to do this i mentioned last week that my father is a star wars fan and also that my grandmother had the movies what i did not mention is that my mother is also a star wars fan and she tweeted me to pull me up not tweeted facebooked me to pull me up on that so my mother also likes star wars also katie's cousin who facebooked at me about the movie so yes my family are, are apparently all nerds yeah Oh, so am mine. It's okay. Okay, so ratings for the movie. Right, ratings for the movie. Um, Yeah, look, I think 
it was passable entertainment, so I have to give it three, I guess. I gave it two and a half stars out of five. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Anyway, so you've been listening to Silver Screen Queens. This week we talked about Kick-Ass. If you want to know anything more about our podcast or read some of the show notes that we link to, you can go to our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. You can also get in touch with us by liking our Facebook page or by following us on Twitter, which is at screen underscore queens. Um, I'd also like to just mention here that a movie we did a couple of weeks ago, The World's End, is coming out in the US and Canada this weekend. So if you are in the US and Canada and you get to see that film over the weekend. If you're interested, you can go back and listen to our episode. I think it was episode 13. Mm-hmm. On that, the last bit of plug I have to do is, of course, Katie's blog, which is silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com, where you can read her review of this movie and many, many more. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Bye. Fricker, flapper, flicker, fluffer, fridger, fester, fisher, funker, humper, lover.